Well, on this last Sunday of, of January, uh, we're going to continue talking kind of the same theme and we'll move into a little different uh, idea, but uh, uh, we're going to talk about the real thing. Everyone say the real thing. Becoming a Romans 12 kind of Christian. And in fact, uh, you can turn to Romans 12 if you'd like. Uh, and let me just, as you're turning there, let me give you just a kind of little review of where we've been because it all fits in. We began the first of the year talking about uh, uh, counterfeit and genuine Christianity. And we looked at Matthew 7 where Jesus identified a counterfeit Christianity. And there's a counterfeit Christianity in our culture today. And in fact, Jesus said there's false prophets that will arise. How many of you know that's a counterfeit, right? But then he talks about in that Matthew 7 and about people who will say on that day when they stand before him, have we not done this in your name and done that in your name and many mighty miracles? And he'll say, uh, it doesn't mean they really did them. It just says they said they did them. Uh, has your kids ever told you they cleaned the room, the room and you went in there to your dismay to find out they really didn't do it? What were they trying to do? Just, just get into your graces. And there will be people in that last day that will do that with Jesus. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. And so, uh, you know, there'll be people who think they're born again. I think it was Billy Graham years and years ago said, uh, I fear that in many churches, a lot of people think they're saved, but they're really not. Uh, they, they've bought into a counterfeit brand of Christianity. So we've been talking about that. And then we talked about the genuine Christianity. I gave you four thoughts. Number one, it's tangible. Everyone say it's tangible. That means you can, uh, you can, uh, see it. You can feel it. You can touch it. It's tangible. The next thing I gave you at genuine Christianity is not only tangible, it's transformational. It will change your life. Listen, if you say you're a Christian, and nothing has changed, I would doubt the, 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 the validity of that confession because genuine Christianity will always change your life. There'll be a transformation. And then I said genuine Christianity uh, is also transferable. How many of you know Christianity is contagious? It really is. And so uh, it, it just that the nature of it causes your your Christianity, your relationship with Christ to infect in a positive way people around you. It's transferable. And then for the last couple of Sundays, we talked about the fact that it's it's testable. How many of you have been going through any tests, the tests, testings of God in your life? Uh, and you know what? And this is what we said about that. Uh, teachers test us to, de to determine the level of information, right? God tests us to determine the level of transformation, to see how we are in the process of becoming more like him. So that's where we've been. And then last Wednesday, we began our discipleship process for the year. Uh, and uh, that was this. We began, in fact, this from this book, a six part uh, growth group series called True Spirituality, Becoming a Romans 12 Christian. And if you weren't here, I really encourage you to be here uh, this Wednesday night because we'll continue. In fact, if you weren't here Wednesday after this morning's message, you'll be right in sync, right in tune to plug in and get involved. In fact, uh, Kobe told me that a number of people wanted to, wanted this book. And so I'm going to be ordering them on Monday and hopefully have them here at least by next Sunday. It's a great, it's what it is. It's an exegesis of Romans 12. And so for the next few weeks, 
uh, on Sunday morning and then for the next five weeks on Wednesday night, we're going to be focusing on Romans 12. And so uh, here's your homework. You want your homework for February, for the last of this week, for this next week and for February? Devour, meditate, remember, learn, grow, and let's just embrace the message of Romans 12 in February. Everyone say Romans 12. And so just, hey, just devour it. Just just uh, consume the Word of God out of Romans 12. That's your homework. And between Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and your self-study of Romans 12, uh, gosh, man, we're going to come through. In fact, the, the name of this book is True Spirituality. We're going to get the real thing. Everyone say the real thing. How many of you want your life to be genuine and real as you walk through life? You don't want to, you don't have to smile and fake it. You want the, you want to be the real deal. Look at somebody and say, I want to be the real thing in, in, in 2014. That's what I want to be. And so that's where we're headed. And that's what Romans 12 is all about. And so let's look at it and let's begin today by looking at Romans 12 verse 1. In fact, I would encourage you to memorize at least verse 1 and 2. Uh, I've kind of, I did it one time, uh, but I need to kind of tune it up. I'll tune it up this month. He says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship. And then verse 2, which we'll not look at, but let me just read it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love those two verses. They are life-changing. And as the Word says, they are transformational in our life. And so he said, I beseech you. That The word there means I invite, I invoke, I implore. How many of you know he's trying to get... When you see the word beseech, he's, he's using... Strong terminology to try to get you to move to a place of action in your life. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. How many of you know God's mercy, his grace will help us accomplish his kingdom purposes in our life? Amen. He said, here's what I want you to do. Present your bodies. That's the totality of who you are. He's not just talking about your physical body. He's talking about the totality of who you are. Your body, soul, and spirit. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. How many of you appreciate Jesus gave up his body for us? And now he's just asking for us to offer ours as a living sacrifice. Could I get a better amen? Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. That word reasonable means rational or logical. Let me tell you, as you'll learn today, it makes a lot of sense to submit and surrender yourself to the Lord of glory. It really does. It's the only rational conclusion we can come to. Now, and so today, we're going to talk about uh, uh, true spirituality today. And, and here's where true spirituality is born from Romans chapter 1, verse 1. It's born in the crucible of surrender. Everyone say surrender. 
When we surrender our lives, our bodies, the to- we present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God, which is our reasonable, our rational, our logical uh, uh, service of worship to God. It only makes sense. And so today, God's looking to us. In fact, how many of you see the white flags around you? How many of you just want something in you just, what in the world is... You might need that in a little bit. All right, so just keep one handy. So we're going to talk about surrender. I want to give you some thoughts about surrender today. And you know, in fact, uh, when we think about surrender, you know, when I think about surrender, I think about the first definition of Webster's it's based on what I, you know, how many of you, you know, sur- when you think of surrender, it's a, you think of a, a battle where you've just finally, after, you know, all, against all odds, you finally come to the conclusion that you cannot win this battle and therefore you're going to surrender to your enemies and you hope that they have mercy on you. In fact, that's the first definition uh, uh, of when you look in Webster's about surrender, but how many of you know that's not a biblical understanding of surrender because he's not our enemy, right? He, he's our Lord and Savior. And, and, but the next thought about surrender, uh, when you look at the, the word a little deeper, it means to give up or hand over, to abandon oneself entirely to. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about giving up and handing over and abandoning ourselves entirely to the the mercy and the grace of God in our life. We're really talking about total commitment. How many of you know some people use surrender and commitment like the salad bar? Well, I'll give this area of my life to the Lord, but that financial area, that's mine. Well, I'll give this area, I'll give my time to the Lord, but I'm not going to give my mind to the Lord. He can't have that. Uh, Listen, that's what we're reading here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He's talking about the totality of who we are. And listen, if you want to really be what God wants you to be, if you want to be the real thing, you can't have a salad bar surrender mindset where you just say, well, I'm going to surrender. Woo, glory to God. Man, I have surrendered to the Lord one Sunday a month to Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I gave $20 in the offering. Hallelujah. I served down at the orphan's home one year for 30 minutes. Glory to God. You can't have a salad bar surrender. It's got to be a total all-in mindset. I know some of you know what all-in means. You're just pushing it all in. I'm going for broke. I'm going to give in. I'm going to give it all. And uh, let me tell you, that scares a lot of people. But I'm telling you, uh, as as we read in Romans chapter one, uh, hey, it's the rational, it's the reasonable, rational, logical thing to do. So with that in mind, let me give you some thoughts about surrender. Uh, just I've got four that I would encourage you to embrace. Here they are. Number one, true surrender is inevitable. It's inevitable. You say, what do you mean it's inevitable? You're going to surrender somewhere to somebody at some time in your life. In fact, did you know what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24? He said this, no man can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one or love the other, or he'll despise the one and love the other. You, you can't serve God and mammon. In other words, somewhere you're going to surrender the totality of who you are to some force, some person's influence. In fact, Bob Dylan had it figured out a long time ago. 
How many of you know a little, got a little Dylan in you? Anybody got a little Bob Dylan in you? Here, you know what he said? He said, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You see, total true surrender, total commitment, being all in is inevitable. You just choose who you serve. What did Joshua say about his servant? He said, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can serve those gods on that side of the river. You can serve this God, that God. But I'm telling you today, as for me and my house, come on now. We have surrendered our, our lives. And as our, and our forefathers said, and our sacred honor, our fortunes and our future and our sacred honor. Hey, you're, it's inevitable. Well, you say, well, no way. I'm not going to serve anybody or anything. I'm going to do my thing. Well, you're serving yourself. You've put, you've put yourself on the throne of your life. And you're bowing to selfish mindsets that are contrary to the purposes of God. True, everyone say true surrender is inevitable. It really is. Think about the end of your life. Listen, did you know life on planet Earth is terminal? It's the shortest amount of time we'll ever live anywhere. And we'll stand before God one day and give an account of our life. And, and, and you know what? We will either enter into the joys of the Lord and serve Him for all eternity, or we will slip into a devil's hell and, and have to bow and serve uh, the powers of darkness for all eternity. There is no, it's black and white. There is no, uh, well, it's just over and I'm, my life is done. You know, eternity is real. Amen. And so, true surrender is inevitable. Number two, true surrender or total commitment is voluntary. You don't have to be, it's not a drafting into the kingdom of God and the governance of God in your life. It's voluntary. In fact, Romans 12, 1, look what he says. He said, present your bodies. In other words, it's voluntary. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not going to come and force you into a corner and grab you by your arm and make you say calf rope until you surrender something else to him. Now, sadly, a lot of people play that game with God. They play hard to get with God. Listen, could I tell you something? You ought not gamble with eternity. You better not be playing hard to get with God. If he wants something, you just better give it to him. Just willingly, voluntarily surrender your life. And as uh, Romans 1 says, your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. I love uh, the, the old hymn. Let me just ask, how many of you grew up in a Baptist church or denominational church and they sang at the altar call, I surrender all? And in the Baptist church, they would sing it 57 times <laughs> until every, all surrendered all. They lock the doors. Ain't nobody getting out until the Holy Ghost gets you or you just get tired of hearing it and say, I surrender all. I just want to go home. But I can remember responding to that song and how it gripped my heart. But I love the first verse of that song. It says, all to Jesus, I surrender. Not salad bar surrender. Somebody say all to Jesus. We're talking about the totality of who we are. All to Jesus, I surrender. Catch this. All to him, I freely give. See, it's voluntary. Did you know that's what Jesus did with his life? Did you know the devil didn't take his life from him? 
He willingly offered it up. In fact, John 10 verse 18, he says, no one takes my life from me. Nobody can take my life from me. What does he say? But I lay it down of myself. I I offer myself as a free will, willing offering unto God for his kingdom purposes. And so true surrender, it's inevitable and it's voluntary. I love what Psalms 110 verse 3 says. It says, your people, that's us, will volunteer freely in the day of your power. Now, the word power, if you looked at it there in in Psalm 110, it has the mindset of warfare and war and army. Uh, And so he's talking about the day of battle. How many of you know uh, in in times of war, there's some people that are drafted and then there's some people who volunteer? In fact, in in our armies and all the the different uh, 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 arms of military, everyone's a volunteer. In fact, just for kicks and just whether you, there's anybody here represented, let's give all our military volunteers a big hand. Let them know we love them all the way from Beaumont, Texas. They're volunteers. In fact, there hasn't been a draft since, gosh, what, the early 70s? The Vietnam War? They're all volunteers. But look what God said about his army. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power, in the day of battle, in the day of warfare. I'm telling you, the mindset of a volunteer. In fact, uh, let me just, uh, it's so overwhelming to me. You see, let me just, let me just lay it out for you. Let me lay it out for you. I love what I do, but you know what? I get paid for what I do. You're, you're a volunteer. I, I'm, I got paid to get here this morning. You're just, you just, you just came freely. Give yourselves a big hand. You, you didn't even have to pay. You're not getting paid. You, in fact, you paid to be here if you gave in the offering today. It's the attitude and mindset of volunteer. And Jesus willingly offered himself up as a volunteer. I love the volunteers. In fact, this next month, I'm going to begin to produce some little volunteer videos. And I'm going to, if you're a volunteer, you got to sign up, get on my email address. I'm going to begin sending little volunteer vids to you to help, help you in your role as a volunteer. But listen, our, our lives are, we volunteer. We willingly lay our lives on the altar of sacrifice to accomplish his kingdom purposes. It's an all in. All to him, I freely give. Everyone say, all to him, I freely give. It's voluntary. In fact, even, gosh, Old Testament, back in Exodus, I love this. They were rallying money for the temple and the tabernacle and other things. And it says this, and they continued bringing him a free will offering every morning. Man, that, that's every preacher's dream. They're gonna, people are just going to freely bring their offering every morning. Let's take up the offering every morning. And it was such a volunteer spirit and such a free will offering that, that the priests had to say, enough, we've got enough. Man, that's a dream come true. Where was it born out of? People willingly offering. How many of you know, it says they did it every morning. Could I say to you, that's the way we give ourselves to God. Every morning. We volunteer ourselves every morning. Every morning you have a choice to say, am I going to be a volunteer? Am I going to serve him or serve myself? Are you with me? Say amen. True surrender is inevitable. True surrender is voluntary. And number three, true surrender is not a one-time act, but an active lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. 
It's not a one time I came to the altar and, and made a confession and gave my life to Christ. And, and so now I'm his child. No, listen, surrender is a lifestyle. It's how we live our lives, how we choose to live our lives. What did Jesus say in Luke twenty two forty two? 42? And when he, you know, he, he willingly came to, to earth. He willingly laid down his life. It says uh, there in Luke 22, when he was in the garden, he said this, he says, uh, nevertheless, not what I will, but yours be done. And when you follow the life of Jesus, you follow that he had a lifestyle of surrender to the will of God for his life. Even to the point of death, he sacrificed his life. He laid down his life. It was his lifestyle. Everyone say, true surrender is inevitable. It's voluntary. It's a lifestyle. It really is. In fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. He said, I die daily. Hello. What was he saying? I die to my will. I die to my ways. I die to my wants because I want his will for my life. Every day I choose as a lifestyle to die to what my flesh, my desires are. In fact, next week we're going to talk about uh, the verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world. Let me tell you something. The world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Anybody ever have issues with those three? The lust of the eyes, the lust, uh, the, the pride of life, the lust of other things. Hey, listen, uh, God's going to help us be able to look through a whole new lens and see his will and his ways as better and more profoundly impacting than the things of this world. The things of this world want to conform us. And so we've got to develop a lifestyle of surrender. And then finally today, this is really one of my favorite thoughts for the morning. True surrender is not just spiritual, it's downright smart. It's logical. Just like Romans 1, Romans 12, 1 says, it's your, just your rational, logical, reasonable service of worship. It's one of the, it's, it is the smartest thing you could ever do. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew 13. Turn to Matthew 13. Jesus is teaching parables. Now, if you get what I'm about to share with you in the next three or four moments, it will radically transform your life. If you embrace, listen, it'll change your life. It'll make the, it'll make the biggest God difference in your life that you've ever had after you became a Christian. Matthew 13, verse 45, 44 and 45, he's teaching parables. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. Get the picture? He's just walking along, singing a song, cutting through the pasture to save a little time. And lo and behold, he found a treasure and he hid the treasure and he went and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. How many of you know that was smart? It wasn't real spiritual, but it was really smart. Wait a minute. He had to sell everything he had. 
He had to sacrifice everything he had to, to purchase this field, but understand something. And this is where you and I need to just embrace it. It's, hey, surrendering all that we are, the totality of who we are, it's not near as much about what we give up. It's about what we gain. I'm going to say that again because you got to embrace total surrender. Pushing all in. Laying yourselves down and as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. It's not about, oh, I had to give up. You know, have you heard this? Well, if you come to Jesus, you have to quit this. You have to quit that. You have to, you can't smoke, chew, go with the girls that do. I don't know, man. I, I kind of like that. I don't know if I want to give that up or not. Listen, understand something. It's not about what you give up. It's about what you gain. In fact, look at the next one. It's, it's along the same line, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Why? What he gained was far better than what he gave up. It's the gain of giving up. Listen, if you'll give up, there'll be great gain in your life. And oh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't enumerate all the great gain that you will gain from giving up. But let me just give you a little mindset. Let me give you a few thoughts. It's the gain of total surrender. When you become totally committed, when you're all in, there's great gain. Let's, let me just give you three thoughts. Number one, there's the gain of freedom over bondage. Now, I don't, and barring just some bizarre quirk of nature, I think I'd be 99 and 9 tenths percent sure that every person in jail or prison in America and around the world would rather be free than in jail. Duh. That's why there's bars on the door. Because nobody wants to stay in there. Go back to Romans 12. It's the logical thing. And when we surrender our lives to Christ, we're all in and we give him all we got. Guess what? The gain is we get freedom from sin over the bondage of sin. Hello? How many of you appreciate freedom? It's great gain. In fact, the scripture teaches this. When we realize it, hey, when we totally surrender our lives to him. Uh, in fact, verse 21 of Romans 12 says, it says this. He says, and don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. There's great gain for surrendering your life. It's the gain of liberty from, from the thoughts of this world, from the influences of the devil, from the lifestyle of sin that has us all bound and on our way to a devil's hell. Romans chapter 6 verse 11, Paul said, we reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. It makes, it just makes all the sense in the world. It's smart. It's smart to surrender your life. Totally to him. Because you find freedom from the things of this world that pull us down rather than lift us up. 
How many have had this experience with the things of this world? Every day you got to have more and more and you get less and less. You think, woohoo, man. We had a blast Friday night. But then Saturday and Sunday and the next Friday, man, it costs you more. And the old sermon says this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, make you pay more than you ever wanted to pay, and make you stay longer than you ever wanted to stay. The gain of total surrender, just one of the, one of the great gains is freedom over bondage. Here's another one. We gain life-changing transformation over life-ending confirmation. Eternal, oh, I skipped one. Eternal destiny over temporal desires. Now think about this. Let's, let me put it in a way you can understand it. We gain heaven over hell. <laughs> now again, I don't want to be naive. And I've met some people that say they want to go, go to hell, but the only reason they say they want to go to hell is because they don't understand hell. My Bible says hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth where the flame is not, not quenched. <laughs> now, when you totally surrender your life, you get heaven over hell. How many of you think that makes sense? That's only logical. That's my re- it's, that's reasonable. I, okay, here's heaven. Joys forevermore. No more weeping. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain or hell. You choose. If you totally surrender your life to him, you can go to heaven. If you don't and you just live life on your, you're going to go to hell. That's true. And maybe you know it's true. So the gain of total surrender is eternal destiny over temporal desires, this temporary moment. Listen, the temporary things of this life, the Bible says they're all going to melt with a fervent heat. Are you with me? And then number three, we gain life-changing transformation over life-ending confirmation. Our lives will be transformed. In fact, we're going to talk about that next week. Oh, you've got, you got to be here next Sunday. Look at your neighbor and say, we've got to be here next Sunday. And let me ask you this question. Do you know anybody that's got stinking thinking? You, got anybody, you know anybody that's got stinking thinking? Come on, anybody? You got stinking thinking? You better get them here next Sunday. Because we're going to talk about... What's verse 2? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so one of the benefits of total surrender is the transformation process of God begins to take. And we we began to be restored day by day into our originally intended image, and that is the image of Christ. Oh, it's wonderful. Somebody say it's wonderful. Hey, think about this. I want to be transformed into his image, into a life-changing God-glorifying image, or do I want to choose life-ending confirmation? Hey, Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about some people whose gods are their bellies, whose end is their destruction. Could I tell you, sin will cause you to be destroyed. But surrender to the will of God will produce a life change in you, making you more like Him. And listen, you got to follow along with us in this Romans 12 because, hey, listen, catch this. Being transformed is not about gritting your teeth and stopping sinning. It's about spending time with Jesus.
Hey, let me ask you this. In fact, Colossians verifies this. Has anybody ever said this? I'm never doing that again. I will never. You say something bad to your wife or your spouse or your kids. That was terrible. I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then one day, what did you do? You did it again. How did that happen? Because, listen, life transformation will never change just because you, do, you want it to. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit and you cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about that. And we're, in fact, hey, our, our growth groups on Wednesday night are going to talk about this. You've got to realize that if you'll, if you'll apply yourself, the change of the life changing transformation of God can fix some things in you that you can never change. Because if you could change it, you, you already would have changed it. There's some things only the Holy Spirit and the Word of God can do as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life. Are you with me? Say amen. What great gain. It only makes sense to totally surrender our life to Christ. Well, there's a freedom over bondage. There's heaven over hell. There's transformation over confirmation and being conformed to this image of this world. You look around this world. You look around this world, you go, pew, wait, I don't want to be like this world. But if you don't make a conscientious effort to cooperate with the will of God and surrender your life totally Him, you will be conformed to this world rather than transformed in the image of Jesus. Are you with me? You see, conformity is a requirement imposed by dictatorial rule. You remember when seatbelt laws came out? Buckle up. We used to sing it. Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. Buckle up for safety. Always buckle up. Buckle up, buckle up. Click Try singing that to your kids. Buckle up. And finally they <laughs> buckle up. A lot of people, hey, listen. You might have got them to buckle up. It's like the little boy, sit down, buckle up, sit down, buckle up. Finally he's, he's better. I'm gonna whip you, you don't sit down, buckle up. And finally he sits down, buckles up, and he said, Well, I'm sitting down, buckled up, but I'm standing up on the inside, bless God. Nothing changed. And God's not going to force you into transformation, but the world will force you into confirmation. And so when we surrender our lives, it begins a great process of transformation. It just makes sense. Everybody say amen. amen. You see, when you understand the great game of total surrender, it's not a struggle anymore. It's not a struggle. When you realize, just like the one realized back in the parable, oh my goodness, a treasure. What treasure I have found in him. What joys I've found in him. It just makes sense. It's the only logical, rational, reasonable choice. When you realize the great gain. Now conversely, listen up, this is fill in the blank. Conversely, to not surrender, totally surrender all of your being to Christ after you understand the great gain that's found in Him. Conversely, rather than that being rational, that's irrational. 
In fact, that's just plain stupid. It makes no, it's illogical. It's irrational. To know what I've just told you and to embrace the great gain and see the great gain and still wander off unsubmitted and unyielded and uncommitted to the will of God for your life. It just makes sense to wave the white flag. Not as I'm finally giving up over my enemies, but I'm yielding myself. There's great gain. There's great gain. Amen.
the little insignificant piece of cloth that you hold in your hand today, I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to take it home in a time of surrender. Take a pen, a marks a lot. Write it on your little piece of cloth. January 26, is that today? 2014. I surrendered all to Him. 2014, January 26, I raised the white flag and realized it's so smart. The gain of giving up overwhelms any temporal, momentary, flash in the pan sense of self-satisfaction this world might provide me. I'm raising the white flag. Amen. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, today we yield ourselves. As Paul said to the Romans, we offer ourselves up, our bodies, as a living sacrifice unto you. We know it's inevitable. So Lord, we just jump to the front of the line and say, I'll give you all of me today Lord we just volunteer we put no constraints on you Lord we volunteer freely in the day of your power and the day of your battle and Lord let this lifestyle of surrender be a lifestyle of daily surrendering ourselves to God let's sing it church I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. Come on, sing it again. I surrender Sing it, church. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. With every head bowed and every eye closed, before we leave this place, it would be a disservice to God. And if I not pause for a moment and ask you this very poignant question if you've ever given, truly given your life to Christ if you've ever willingly laid down your life for Him and asked Him to be the Lord and the leader of your life the Bible says if you believe that He died for you and He was buried in a borrowed tomb if you believe that if you have faith in what He did for you on Calvary's cross 
you can be saved. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we can be saved. It just makes all the sense in the world to choose to go to heaven. Then by default, go to hell. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can just say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven, but I want to know when I leave this place that I belong to Jesus. That I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas today. If that's you, you can say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me right where I stand. I want to pray with you. Jesus Christ would come into my heart and be my Lord and my leader. If that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, can you can say, I just want to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. Just lift your hand wherever you are. It just makes all the sense in the world. God bless you, sir. Somebody else, just lift your hand. Anyone else? God bless you. Amen. God bless you. I see hands going up. One, two, three, four, maybe five hands going up. Anybody else? Lift your hand. I just want to know for sure that Jesus Christ, I want, to, I want to get this straight in my life. You can put your hands back down. Now I want everyone to look up at me. In this room, four or five people lifted their hands. But they wanted to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in their heart. So just a moment, we're going to all pray together. And if you lifted your hand, I'm going to, we're going to pray together. And I want you to pray with me, follow along with me out of sincerity. of your Not just repetitious words, but a heart of sincerity. I'm going to lead you to Jesus. But you have to surrender. I can't raise your white flag for you. Everybody has to surrender on their own. And let me tell you something. Surrender is not a secret thing not a secret thing if you surrendered to your enemy it wouldn't be a secret thing everybody would know in fact the Bible says you confess me before the for others I'll confess you before my father in heaven Jesus said so we're going to pray together and if you lifted your hand pray with me out of sincerity and then at the close of this service in fact some of our prayer team they're going to come on up come on up prayer team just kind of scatter out if you, if you prayed that, if you pray this prayer with me, if you lifted your hand just a few moments, rather at the close of this service, in fact, it's only 12 o'clock, at the close of this service in a couple of minutes, I want to encourage you to bring your white flag to this altar and, and just reach out to one of these guys and one of these gals and just say, today I raise my white flag and let Jesus into my heart. I surrendered all to him. And they'll do the rest. Also today, if you're searching for a church home and you believe you found your church home, you come take one of these people by the hand and just do this. That means I got the divine okie-dokie, I'm home. And I believe this is where God would have me to be. We don't believe this is where everybody ought to be, but you might need to be here and God might give you the divine okie-dokie and you plug in and get connected to the family. How many of you know we're a body? We're not, we're not a disjointed group of individuals. It's the body of Christ. So let's pray together. I want everyone to pray with me out loud. If you lifted your hand a few moments ago, this is between you and God, but understand once you make a confession, then the Bible teaches us to confess with our mouth to Jesus and then we confess to our friends that we've given our lives to Christ. Let's all pray together. Everyone out loud say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying a great price for me on the cross. Thank you for your blood that was shed for me. 
that you died to pay for my sins so that I wouldn't have to go to hell. I believe what you've done for me, Lord, that you died for me on a cross, that you were buried in a borrowed tomb, and you rose from the dead on the third day. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and to be my leader from this day forward. I surrender all to you. From this day forward, you will always be my Lord. And I thank you today that I've been set free by your blood. In Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Let's give the Lord of glory a great big God bless you. Hallelujah. The Bible says that when one lost sheep comes home, the all of heaven rejoices. And so for all of us today, we rejoice with those who lifted their hands. And at the close of this service, again, I want you to come this way. You just slip up here, bring your white flag and say, I made a prayer, I prayed a prayer of commitment to Christ. Also, if you're searching for a church home and you believe this is where God would have you, just come up, take somebody by the hand, say, I believe we're home. I got the divine okie dokie. And Wednesday night, be here because we're going to continue talking about these life changing truths and becoming a Romans 12 uh, kind of Christian. Read Romans 12. Let it become real in your life this next month. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Love somebody before you go. And we'll see you Wednesday night. Amen.